he got all of that one. Got all of that one. Welcome to In the Rough, a podcast dedicated to golfing in the Treasure Valley and beyond. And beyond. In the Rough is presented by First Tee Idaho, providing accessibility and affordability to golf while teaching our youth respect, integrity, courtesy, perseverance, sportsmanship, honesty, judgment, responsibility, and confidence. First Tee Idaho, because golf is more than a game. Well, welcome to a brand new year and another edition of In the Rough. It is our very first one for 2022. Uh, I'm Corey Michaels, along with the executive director of First Tee Idaho, Nick Blasius. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. Happy New Year to you. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be back in the studio with some some new guests for this year and mm-hmm. uh, just keep talking about golf in Idaho and all the cool people that are involved with it. Yeah. Well, and now we can, I mean, I know it's still quite Idaho cold. It's not yeah. like Snowmageddon yeah. kind of year or anything, it's but bone, bone chilling out there, <laughs> but it is cold. So we've got a little ways to go before, you know, can really swing into what is it? March that things kind of get underway for first tee again. Yeah. Our spring classes start up in April, which we okay. actually uh, opened up entry fees for or entries for that uh, a couple weeks ago. Now, two weeks as of yesterday, um, already have over a hundred kids registered for our spring classes, which is great. Awesome. Um, so we're transitioning. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast that we're transitioning to age-based programming mm-hmm. this year. So kids in the past, it uh, with first T programs, it didn't matter how old you were. It was based off experience, right? And going forward, we're trying to make each group more. Um, you know, we'll have our seven to nine year olds together, ten and eleven, twelve, thirteen, and then fourteen and up. Going to the age-based. Because it made sense on the experience base that, you know, some, I mean, we've had uh, guests in here. Who was the young man we had in? Reed Hoppick. Yeah, Reed. Reed had played since, like, I swear he came out (laughs) into the world and there was just automatically a golf club in his hand. (laughs) Um, But then there's going to be kids his same age that maybe it's the first time they ever touched a golf club. Right. How how does it work? How is it going to work? I'm sure this is what you've been working on. Mm-hmm. When you do have in that same same age group, maybe a you know if there's parents going, well, I I, I don't know, my child's never done it. We want to see. So I think one of the biggest, uh, I don't want to necessarily say it was a complaint, but one of the things we've heard from parents in the past is, you know, yes, my son's new to the game of golf or daughter's new to the game of golf. They're 14 years old, but why are they in the same class, the seven and eight year olds that are also new to the golf, right? So the idea is let's get them more with their peers. Yeah, totally get that. They can develop their network of friends that they can Mm -hmm. play golf with outside of first tee. And I think it just makes a lot more sense for their um, levels of development, you know, where they're at. Um, I think one thing that the first tee really went off of when making this decision, or maybe this is just me speculating, but the American development model for, Mm -hmm. you know, developing youth athletes and, you know, golf's done a lot of research in that and, how to properly get kids prepared to play the game of golf, you know, seven and nine year olds, it's maybe let's just go play hopscotch for 10 minutes and (laughs) learn, you know, some control the body and control different limbs and 
You know, so every age group learns very different. And so we're trying to adapt that into our first T curriculum and just make it a little bit better. Just fine tune it. Well, the the thing that I had thought of when you first brought this up was, you know, for these kids that uh, that do the boys and girls that uh, that have more experience being able to take a mentor type, you know, role, maybe Mm -hmm. they've been through first T. Uh, and been a part of First Tee, and so they're able to help with, uh, you know, uh, all the different, you know, ins and outs yeah. and uh, and kind of help them along as well. So I could see where that would be an advantage because kids are hearing it from another kid and their age and going, hey, look at how good they are. Yeah. I know I could do that now because someone else my age. Yeah, who knows? It might they might yeah. learn a little quicker, be a little bit more encouraged to practice and play, and yeah. um, just spend a little bit more time at the golf course. And you know, to the point you were just making about getting those older kids involved, you know, something we're going to start doing uh, going forward is we're going to start adopting a scholarship program for our older kids that awesome. are going to college. And mm-hmm. you know, whether you've been in our program or you volunteered for First Tee Idaho, you know, we want to give you something back to help your continued education, higher education. So that's something that uh, the board of directors and I are working on putting together for even this year. This will be the first year we'd roll it out. And we're really excited about, you know, those new opportunities as we continue to grow. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, it brings us to now, we have a whole lot of firsts on this one, Mm -hmm. you know, first podcast of the year. Uh, and all that, but also our first guest. Our first uh, guest of 2022, yeah. <laughs> so you want to tell us a little bit about Gabe and yeah, and welcome him to the, the podcast? <laughs> so our guest today, his name is Gabe Moreno. Gabe is somebody I've gotten to know since uh, early 2021. Uh, we had a connection, Cecilia Bainey, who is the junior golf director for the Idaho Golf Association. And she reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I've got a cousin. His name's Gabe. Uh, he's running this nonprofit here in town called Game Changers Idaho. And I think you guys should talk and get to know each other and learn a little bit more about your programs. First time I sat down with Gabe, I was like, yes, absolutely. We should definitely partner this year. So we did last year was our first year. I was super successful, really excited to continue to grow it this year and for future years. Um, Gabe's an amazing dude and we're, we're super, super happy to have him on the podcast. So thanks for being here, Gabe. Yeah, no problem. So Gabe, Let's uh, give me a little bit of background on yourself. So where were you raised? Things like that. I grew up in a small town of Willow Creek, Oregon, and I'm actually really excited to say Willow Creek on uh, the podcast. That's really cool. I didn't think I'd ever (laughs) get to say Willow Creek on podcast, but uh, it's a small town. Uh, It was a kindergarten through eighth grade, hundred students total, little house on the prairie, (laughs) one gas station slash restaurant, one church and one school. Um, and then from there, uh, I went to high school at Vail, Oregon, uh, just about 10 minutes outside of Willow Creek. And that's where I ended up living as well in high school. And uh, Vail, Oregon, you know, about 2000 people, just a small town. And, you know, at this age now where I'm at, I'm very thankful. I grew up in a small town. Uh, it's just a, I don't know, have that small town mentality, um, yeah. being patient and being really thankful for what we grew up in. Um, from there, I went to Boise State and bounced around between about, I don't know, three different degrees <laughs> and uh, still I just got something. But, um, you know, all these little experiences in college led to me, led me to where I'm at right now. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So you're the second person we've had on the podcast that's from a, a small town. Remember Katie yep. McKelvey, oh, our, yeah. our program yeah. director? She's from Mackey, Idaho, oh. which is, I think, maybe even a little smaller than Ooh, Vail. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it, it, oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, Vail would be going to the big city. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to you know where you grew up and a little bit more about your background. So what sports did you play growing up? Yep, so in Willow Creek, it was eight-man football. Okay. Um, that's yep. all we knew. Iron awesome. Man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, big old field. And uh, and then in high school, though, it was 11-man you know, football. And so I played football, uh, tennis, and baseball. Um, and Vell is a, just a historic small-town football town and a lot of tradition there. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned a lot of just, you know, good lessons from our coaches. And, you know, I you know to this day, you know, I take that to every day, that mentality that my head coach, Jeff Jacobs, uh, taught us. Um, you know, in college, I didn't play any sports in college, just a little recreational stuff. Um, and yeah, that's about my whole sports career right there. <laughs> Play, we were talking about this the other day, Gabe and I playing football in a small town. He's playing both sides of the ball, yep. a little offense and defense. And what was the little, uh, little factoid you gave me about high school football from Vail, Oregon? Uh, well, yes. Okay. Um, you know, Vail, um, uh, something that's pretty cool for that small town is they have, uh, the most state championships um, in any classification in Oregon. So that's, that's something that town really, you know, they're really oh, yeah. of that. So Something to be proud of, that's yep. for sure. So growing up playing football, and you said baseball and tennis, what did sports mean to you when you were growing up? Um, you know, again, a small town, just a friendship, friendships you made uh, with um, just all of our friends, you know, uh, and just a lot of lessons from what my head coach really taught me. Something he always said was play with a sense of urgency. Um, you know, that's not just sports related, but, yeah. you know, definitely, you know, to this day, mm-hmm. just having a sense of urgency, not going through the, you know, just the grind. Not the grind, what is it? Going through the motions of life. Right. Um, kind of knowing when to pick things up a little bit. Um, that's something that I've learned and just re- really remember to this 10 years, mm-hmm. 12 years later, you know. Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Any other kind of positive impacts at a young age that you feel like sports had on your life? Other things you learned from sports? Yeah. um, You know, we, (laughs) our state championship, my senior year, we lost 42 to zero. (laughs) Yeah. You know, 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 I'm 31 years old now. I don't care that that happened. Right. Um, But when it did happen, I remember I had a teacher. She told me that, you know, if this is the worst thing that happened to you, you know, you're, you're going to have a good life. Yeah. You know? And I'm, I'm 17 at that time. I'm like, yeah, screw off, you know? <laughs> you know, but it's so true. It is so true. Um, and any little loss right now in my life, you know, it's, it's okay. Right. Yeah. So 14 years later here, we are yeah. laughing about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, my there was no like, laughter at yeah. that time. Yeah, I get you know, it. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> so transition to college, you know, after that, uh, heartbreaking loss in your <laughs> senior year there. So you go to Boise State. What was your first major that you decided on? Yeah, social work. Social work. Yes. And um, what was the major that you ended up graduating with? Sociology. Sociology. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about that kind of journey through college and how you ended up with sociology and what you liked about it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, when I hit my, I remember, I remember my very first day of college, uh, my professor in social work 101, you know, basic stuff. He told me, he told the class, if you're the type of person that brings your work home with you, this is not the job for you. <laughs> and I knew immediately, he's like, okay. So I got to switch up pretty quickly, <laughs> try psychology. Um, you know, it was cool, but I uh, went into special ed. Um, and then eventually um, I started, I found a job that I really liked and I just wanted to get some degree. Um, 
Uh, I really liked special education, but I knew being a teacher wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, I liked the idea of just learning about culture and uh, how people live differently in diff- every you know, mm-hmm. parts of the world. Um, really like sociology and I just liked how uh, my professors, how they communicated. It was mainly my professors, uh, Arthur Skerritt, um, if you, that sounds familiar to anybody, but I just really liked how he taught, took a lot of his classes. Um, and I just wanted to graduate college in sociology. <laughs> I was the closest to get done with that. So, uh, <laughs> that's that. <laughs> that just made me realize that we have something else in common. Special education was my first declared nice. major, uh, my freshman year of college as well. So that's before kind of golf came into my life. Um, so going through college, major in sociology, what was your first job out of college? Yeah. Um, it was actually working at a dog daycare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you know, my first, that was a good job, but the one I remember the most was working, um, through children's therapy place. I was about 20 years old and, um, I really wanted to change up what I wanted to do. Um, my brother, Mark was working at children's therapy place as well. And you got me connected there. And I was working um, with one child on the on the spectrum. And he had a bunch of, you know, little life goals they wanted to reach in the community, right. um, you know, communication skills, um, learning to deal with your stress. Um, and I, I, to this day, um, 12 years later or so, uh, I still meet with the kid. I don't work with him anymore. Um, but it was really cool. He's starting at eight years old. Um, I worked with him for about 10 years. You wow. know, I had other jobs at that time. I just really enjoyed that family. Um, and, That's the, awesome. and the kid I worked with. Um, and from him, I got connected to another kid and then working in the special education room. Um, and, uh, you know, it just opened up a lot more opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through to children's therapy place, that was my first job um, that I kind of blossomed from. You know, a common theme on our podcast is, you know, how sports and generally relationships with coaches and mentors, you you pay that forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that kind of pivots to my next question is, you know, how did your experience with sports benefit you as a professional? Yeah. Um, mistakes happen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, a lot, something I say a lot, actually, even to this day, I never realized until you asked this question is I I say it's okay. A lot. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in football, we mess up. It's okay. You know, focus on that next play. Um, otherwise, you know what, you're just going to keep, snowball into negative, you know, effects, um, you know, uh, with the children, all, every child I work with to this day, you know, I say, it's okay a lot, you know, let, let's keep going. Um, and you say it enough. I think kids start believing it. <laughs> yeah. um, I know yep. I did, you know, my coaches said, you know, it's okay. You know, they said it a little more, you know, aggressive, um, they probably <laughs> said a few more other words, but I mean, in a way they were saying it's okay. You know, um, Probably, I think that is actually now that I think of it, something that I still use to this day. Just yeah. you know, focus on that next play and in life. It's just you know, it's okay. It's, you know, what can you do about it now? Yeah, it's one of First T's core values: perseverance. Right. <laughs> so going forward, now what's uh, what's your day job these days? Yeah. So I work at Hillside Junior High um, in the bridge program, and what that is, it's uh, children of refugee. Um, their first year or two. In Boise, they go to Hillside Junior High, and this is a way for them to, uh, you know, we don't want to throw them into American-setting classrooms. Like, all right, welcome to America. Go learn, you know. Right. Um, there's a language barrier. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the kids didn't have proper schooling. Uh, they're coming in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, they're not on a seventh and eighth grade level. So they, for the most part, they do go to those classes, but then they go to a bridge class, a study skills class, and I'm able to kind of reteach it in a way that they can understand, um, slow it down Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. Um, in one class, there's about three or four different languages, 
You know, wow. we're trying to teach one thing. So a lot of pointing, a lot of directions. And uh, so, yeah, that's my main job. Um, I love it. It's, um, I, you know, we had a conversation the other day. Uh, I don't remember the last time I had a bad day knowing where these kids came from um, and hearing their stories. Yeah. Um, so that's my full-time job right now. Um, and I really appreciate um, kind of falling into that uh, role. So just as a quick snapshot for those that are listening at Hillside Junior High, how many uh, kids do you work with on a daily basis? Um, I believe it's about 60 students, 60 to 70 students. And that's just at one junior high in the yep. Boise Public Schools. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I know you also had some, it was an internship, correct? Mm -hmm. That you did with the Special Olympics. How was yep. that experience? Yeah. Um, so working at uh, Rolling Hills, I've had a lot of little jobs. Uh, working at Rolling Hills Charter School, um, you know, I had this, I, I always have this like, connection working with kids with disabilities. Uh, I don't know where it came from, but it's just something that kind of clicked for me and it just felt right. Um, one day, uh, one kid said, you know, like his school project was, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he's like, oh, I want to be an NFL football player. I've never seen these kids t touch a football ever in his life. You know, he's just like making yeah. up a story. Um, and then I thought for a second, it was like, how, how come he's never played football before? Um, so I contacted Special Olympics. I had this idea of starting a flag football league. Contacted them, asked them, you know, um, I don't have any background. I don't have any resources. So I asked them if they could help me recruit for me, use their name. Um, they brought me on as an intern to start a flag football program. Uh, people know the name Special Olympics Idaho. They don't oh, know of course. Name. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, with that, we had our about 25 kids our first season. Um, and it was a really awesome experience. You know, it was me and a small group of my friends that were like, yeah, let's just do this, see what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and from that internship, they really liked what they saw. And they um, brought me on as a regional sports director. It's regional, but it was an entire state of Idaho. <laughs> but um, they brought me on as a sports director to, yeah. uh, you know, direct every sport year around in every region in Idaho. Um, and, you know, that was where I just kind of learned a lot of just communication skills, um, being a lot more organized. Um, dealing with logistics um, and created a lot of really good partnerships. Um, so, yeah. Which kind of leads us to the, the current things that you've got going on in your life. So I guess, was this experience with Special Olympics, was that the impetus for how you started Game Changers Idaho or how, what was that transition like? Yeah, no, um, you know, it was a really good opportunity. It just didn't work out, you know, as simple as that. Um, it wasn't quite what I was looking for. Um, so then that brought me to the job at Hillside Junior High because I was their head football coach as well at Hillside Junior High. Um, and uh, there was an opening there uh, to work with a kid named Kua. <laughs> and uh, and it, he's, um, I worked as a one-on-one -on -one with him. Uh, kind of brought me back a couple years to what I was doing in the first place. Right. Um, and then um, working uh, at Hillside, I, I've always had this small vision of you know, having my own business. I, I love reading books uh, through Simon Sinek's, Simon Sinek, Start With Why, Leaders Eat Last and whatnot. And yeah. just about people kind of just starting over mm -hmm. and creating our own business um, and just hiring good quality people and just, you know, being the leader you wish you had type of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's a cheesy quote, but it's so true. Um, so it was starting over and, uh, you know, it started again as a flag football program with about 30 kids. Yeah. Um, and then from there we became an official nonprofit. Yeah. And then at that moment I was like, all right, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's see where it goes. That's amazing. So what were some, you know, trials, uh, 
some hurdles you had to get over of getting this started and you know what was that the grassroots first was that first year like um you know it, it, it was a scary just you know uh to begin with i didn't ever think i'd be someone to have my own business um I'm a good follower. I really am. <laughs> um, if, if there's a right leader in place, I will do whatever you say. I believe in you. Absolutely. Um, I'm heavily involved with MDA Idaho as well. And all their directors there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I love going to their summer camps. You and know, you do, I'll do whatever you say. So, and really quickly for the <laughs> listeners, what is MDA Idaho? Yeah, that's muscular, uh, uh, muscular dystrophy association. There you okay. go. Yeah. yeah. Um, you might be familiar with that. Maybe. Oh, very yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's the best summer camp all week long at Quaker Hill and McCall. And again, that's just another humbling experience. Um, but, you know, but seeing those directors in place and seeing them work with the volunteers and kids. Um, and, you know, I, I really liked that. I was like, man, I, I, I want to be here someday or be in that position someday. Yeah. So finally it was like, all right, well, let's just do it. It was scary starting over and not having very many contacts, but you just kind of had to pull the bandaid off and do it. Yeah. How quickly did you realize, like, we're really on to something here. You know, this yeah. could be really cool if we keep putting some effort into this. Um, you know, we started as a flag football program. And then right after that, we started a CrossFit program um, and added a few more kids. And no major hiccups. A few here and there, right? Obviously, right. but no major hiccups. Great new partnership. Um, and then we started a gymnastics program. You know, not all at once. It was little by little. Mm -hmm. um, very patient man. Um, and I don't want to go out to prove anything like, oh, look at us now. We're doing this. It's like yeah. when the time is right. Mm -hmm. um, I've always said game changers grows as much as I grow as a person. Um, and so we started a gymnastics program. Went great. Um, new kids, new program, new director. Uh, we started a fencing club. <laughs> um, same thing, you know. So it was about when CrossFit was over. Um that I realized that was great, you know, we new volunteers. And then it was getting that gymnastics program going. And then, you know, seeing that process going, it's like, we can do this. We can keep going at a slow and steady pace. Yeah. Um, so I think as we kept adding programs, I just myself got more confident with the program. Yeah. And that's something you and I were talking about the other day is, you know, don't grow too quickly, mm -hmm. right? Take your time, do it very, mm -hmm. very well, mm -hmm. you know, and, continue to build, put one foot in front of the other and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. So from where Game Changers, which was what year? What year did you get Game Changers officially off the ground? 2018. Okay. So from Game Changers in 2018 to Game Changers planning your year for 2022, what are you most proud of so far? Oh, man. Uh, the amount of volunteers and families that are in our program uh, it's really cool. I remember when I was a volunteer and I'd go to a place and I was excited to be a part of that organization. Right. Um, I was thinking about this today, actually. Um, we have CrossFit starting tomorrow and the amount of volunteers that have that scheduled on their calendar, mm -hmm. right? Gymnastic or a, a CrossFit, you know, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And the, the amount of parents that have that on their calendar too, that, that started, you know, well, I, I hate to say it with me, but you know, through game changers, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, and to be that person that kind of started that, um, having kids look forward to that moment, having volunteers looking forward to that moment, having it on their calendar. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
I think there's something very special about being, you know, you're a very humble person, but I think you should give yourself a little bit more <laughs> credit for how quickly you've grown this and the type of support. Let me tell you, Corey, any kid that participates in this program doesn't pay a dime. That's awesome. It's all just show up and do it and enjoy it. And we've still yeah. been doing it successfully as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very so good. what are some unique things that your program does outside of sports? Yeah, uh, man, uh, there's something I absolutely love. Uh, it's called Kupana. And Kupana in Swahili means to give. Um, I, I've never been one ever since starting 10 years ago working with one kid have has viewed a child with disability as a charity case. Ever, oh yeah. Right. Um, it's more so, you know, you know, what are you capable of doing? You know, mm -hmm. do you need a little bit of help? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, Nick, you need, we help. all need, help. You need yeah. help. Right. Yeah. I need help too. Uh, I need extra help yeah, a exactly. lot of times. <laughs> yeah, we all need help in little different ways. Um, with coupon. Now there are kids around Christmas time that do need help. You know, yes. it's not our, kids and game changers just because they have a disability doesn't mean they get a free Christmas present, you know, yeah. but you know, what can they do to help another child in the community? Now I work at, you know, my background right now is working at Hillside junior high with refugees mm -hmm. uh, around the Christmas time. They do need help. You know, they don't get the proper Christmas that the average kid gets right. the satisfaction of knowing what's in the box and unwrapping it. Right. So we challenged our game changer kids to, if, uh, sponsor a child, a refugee. So we give the parents a list of items that they need to do. And we tell the parents, don't just give your kids the money, have them do chores around the house, little chores, hard yes, chores, whatever, whatever they're capable of doing. Once they earn enough, it's about $80 what it comes down to with all the items we have listed. Mm -hmm. Once they have that $80, have them go shopping and buy all these gifts, have them wrap it up. And um, then they drop it off uh, at our office and then we go out, I think it was Christmas Eve this year, and we went out, teachers and volunteers, dropping off kids and, uh, gifts. And these kids didn't expect it. They weren't expecting anything, you know? Yeah. We have these big piles of gifts for them. And, oh man, we um, the comments that the parents give us, um, they're so thankful. It's like, you know, thank you, thank you for putting my kid in a position to help another kid. That is so special. Um, and we let the parents know we have a, a really cool Christmas um, voiceover, like Merry Christmas in about five or six different languages. Um, and we send that to the parents, kind of like Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your, your gift was dropped off. Uh, enjoy this message from our kids. Um, and, you know, that's just something that we're really proud of. Probably my, the favorite thing we do at Game Changers. Yeah. Uh, putting kids in a position to help other kids. And what's it called again? Kupana. Kupana. In yeah. Swahili, that means to give? To give, yep. That's amazing. We had mm -hmm. coffee the other day, and he was telling me about that. And it's hard yeah. not to have a small tear come to your yeah. eye just yeah. hearing about that. You know, again, we don't, that's something we don't make a dime off of. We actually don't even advertise on uh, Instagram as saying we're helping kids a refugee, you know. We do say, you know, coupon is coming up, but these kids are also are not charity, charity cases. Do no. they need a little help? Absolutely. Right. Um, if you want to be a part of it, then I'll let you know who we're helping. Um, right. But we're not going to go and broadcast it just to say, look how special we are. If you want to, yeah. you know, know more about us, get involved. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's just who we are as an organization. We use sports as a template to help kids. But, you know, what more can we do? Um, we didn't look to make a dime off of Kupana, but because people really appreciate what we do, it's like, I want to support your organization. Absolutely. You know, this is really cool. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. So in, this is your fourth year now of running Game Changers Idaho. Let's say the year is 2027. We're sitting back down here, you know, 
doing a recap of the last five years, where do you think Game Changers will be? You know, what are your main goals oh, with Game Changers IO? Yeah, so there are a couple big projects that, you know, uh, one of them is called the Kuwa Project. And I'm not going to tell you right now what that is, but someday that's, you know, that's going to put a little ding in another part of the world. Um, and I feel very confident about that. Uh, COVID definitely paused that dream for a little bit. But by 2027, um, the Kuwa Project is going to be the coolest thing we've done at Game Changers. Um, another th- thing that I would love to have, be very proud of is, Game Changers having our own facility, indoor turf mm-hmm. facility, uh, facility, an office, some benches for the families to sit, you know, a place to call home uh, for football and soccer. I would love that. That would be a big dream right there. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're, you know, adding a few more sports, just solidifying our volunteer base, our, you know, our personal donors and whatnot. That's what I envision. I uh, am very confident (laughs) that you'll see all of your goals come true just because I can tell you have a lot of passion and you really care about growing this program. And there's no doubt in my mind, it might only take about three years for us to talk about this, but we'll we'll see that play out. I'm excited to learn more about the Kuwa project. Yeah. All right. Kind of the last, Corey, did you have a question? Well, I just, on the, you were talking about expanding your volunteer base. Mm -hmm. How can someone, we were just talking about, you know, you want to give people yeah. more as, if they're interested in wanting to help. Mm-hmm. Well, if someone's listening right now, maybe they have a child in first tee, maybe they're mm-hmm. thinking about it. Maybe it's a, just a member of the, of the Treasure Valley uh, community and they're going, wow, that sounds really cool. I'd like to, to help with that as well. What kind of volunteer experiences yeah. are available and how would they go about that? Yeah, so, oh man, um, there's two main volunteer roles. There's a peer mentor, and that's mm-hmm. a kindergartner through a 12th grader. I, and I say kindergartner, we have kindergarten volunteers. They don't know they're volunteering. They think they're just playing a game, but they're volunteering. You know? <laughs> gotcha. We're, 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 we're including, we're, you know, the word inclusion gets used too much. Um, we, we rarely use a word inclusion. We rarely use a word disabilities in our program. You know, they have right. it. Yeah, but they're a kid, you know. Right. Um, we are introducing inc- inclusion without using a word. You know, go be a yeah. kid. Uh, go take it a little easier, you know. <laughs> take it a little easier when you're playing. Um, our peer mentors are just phenomenal kids. And they are kids who started off as a teammate, Mm -hmm. you know, fifth grader, sixth grader, and then they've blossomed into a one-on-one volunteer where they're physically, emotionally assisting a kid um, that needs that extra assistance and seeing their parents. So parents, if you got a kid and you're listening to this right now, get your kid involved with Game Changers. You know, um, our peer mentors and volunteers are the most unselfish people. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Any volunteer in general, but I'm going to be biased and say game changers. Right? <laughs> um, and seeing these kids grow more confident in helping people because you do have to be confident in helping people yeah. really oh, yes. well. Um, and, you know, slowly getting, we just have, we had our um, first intern at Game Changers. She started off as a peer mentor playing. Um, and then we were like, this girl's really good. You know, then we got her to be a one-on-one and then a one-on-one with more of the challenging athletes. And she does it with a huge smile on her face. And she's just one example of, you know, many, many, many more kids that have her expertise. Um, and then we have for our older volunteers, a one-on-one or head coaching positions and one-on-ones mm-hmm. are, you know, again, 
being able to offer assistance to a child that needs it. Sports is a hard mm-hmm. thing, and just simple as that, you know? Lots of these kids are playing for the very first time. Yeah. Um, they need reminders, they need guidance to playing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so those are the roles that we have, and you can do that. You can just sign up easily at gamechangersidaho.com. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll second the quality of his volunteer group. You know, with our golf classes last year, it was eight weeks long. Uh, we did it on Wednesday nights at Quail Hollow. Um, I mean, he had six to 10 volunteers out there every week helping us out. Um, just an amazing group of people that were so engaged, so passionate about the program. You know, we had uh, Preston out there, right? Mm, Preston yeah. was helping with one of our one of our young men there that uh, he was blind. He was blind, yeah, 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 blind, hitting golf balls. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, an amazing volunteer, and I'm sure out. better than I do. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, it I, mean, was. I was honest with that. <laughs> it was amazing, um, and so yeah. Game Changers has an amazing group of volunteers yeah. that are involved with their it's program. Truly unselfish, just good-hearted people, and you know, simple as that, and willing to donate their time and effort. Very good. Yeah, that's awesome. So the last portion of the podcast, kind of wrapping up here, um, you know, for the first tee, we've got our nine core values uh, that are listed off in our intro, and I kind of gave you a little heads up about this, Gabe. But yeah, what's your favorite of the core values, and why? Uh, looking at it, I would say responsibility. Um, you know, uh, and responsibility doesn't have to be this big grand thing, you know, it's like, oh, I gotta be responsible, like some big chore. Right. It's being responsible in your little everyday actions, mm-hmm. you know, taking ownership when you messed up, not blaming somebody else, um, being responsible and just, you know, man, I've realized over the last three or four years, just doing the little things right so consistently. Um, and that's being responsible, yeah. you know, that's, you know, just, uh, again taking ownership too and quit not blaming other people i think it's the biggest thing i've seen at the school recently actually um and i think once it's it's tough for a kid but you know when you're an adult you know just kind of realizing i messed up i'm sorry yeah not being afraid to say that i think people are more willing to forgive you Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and just knowing who you are um and being true to your word too that's such a big thing right now lately yeah yeah holding yourself accountable yeah uh, favorite golf course in Idaho? Yeah, so I've golfed like maybe four or five times in my life. So <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say Quail Hollow because of our partnership with First Tee and Quail Hollow was so open for us. And what did they have us for eight, nine weeks or so? Yeah, eight yeah. weeks there, yeah. Uh, no, they were so yeah, so great. So uh, I'm going to say Quail Hollow. <laughs> well, and they've owned at least several dozen of my balls. <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> I don't remember which whole number it is, yeah. but you know the one, the There's, one that goes... Yep. There's a lot of Straight opportunities down. out there. I'm going to start golfing more. I know I will. I really will. <laughs> there was one moment last year where it was a really hot night. We do this in the summer. I think it was in July. Very hot evening. And we had the kids hitting water balloons because, you know, why not? Yeah. It's 105 degrees. Let's hit water Heck, balloons. I want to do that. <laughs> so everybody starts cheering for Gabe, like, come on, Gabe, come hit a water balloon for us. And so yeah. Gabe gets up there and I could see he was like sweating a little bit, not just because of the heat. I think he was a little nervous. Absolutely. We had like, you know, 16 kids and a bunch of volunteers all circled around <laughs> Gabe watching him. And he's like, oh gosh, let's make sure we make contact here. Shanked it. <laughs> my, <laughs> my last question, and this is more broad, but... You know, what does coaching mean to you? Yeah. Um, just that, it's, I don't know, it might, might sound too simple, but it's so true. It's that connection you have with a, a kid in a different way. You're, you are teaching them. You're their role model, uh, sometimes a parent, yeah. um, uh, a, a friend. You really are a friend 
and knowing when to get after them. All those little things right there. That's just connection with the kid. Um, I just recently stepped down. Nobody knows besides AED, so this is a big surprise for everyone. But I just (laughs) stepped down as the head coach at Hillside. With Game Changers growing, I had to put more attention to that. Uh, So I am going to miss that connection with all those kids that started off as strangers. Um, a lot of them are brand new seventh graders. You don't, I don't know who they are, but over the course of a football season, you get to know who they truly are. Um, and when the season was over, you know, I was so proud of those boys. Um, and, uh, it's that connection right there. I think it's, I think that's the biggest thing right there. Yeah. Building relationships, foundation of life. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Gabe, um, every time we talk, I feel more inspired to do (laughs) my job better. Uh, You're a very inspirational guy, and we're super excited about our continued partnership with you guys. And I know you're just going to continue to be successful and grow it year after year. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. And yes, we will have you on again to hear about Yes. All the fabulous things that are are to come. Mm-hmm. We, now, it's GameChangersIdaho.com yep. to find out more information, volunteer opportunities, connections, all of that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gabe. Thank you for joining us for the very first uh, podcast of uh, In the Rough here for 2022. And we've got a lot more to come. We'll talk again next month. This is In the Rough with First Tee Idaho.